Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 38 of Revelation chapter 14. We're going to be reading Revelation 14, verse 14. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And this one that is seen is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. He is sitting upon the white cloud, and that indicates he is ruling in the day of judgment. And that's why he has on a golden crown, and God likens judgment day to harvest. So he has a sharp sickle in his hand. And uh, we've been looking at clouds and what they represent in the Bible. We've seen from uh, especially Numbers chapter 9. I want to read this verse again to remind us in Numbers 9. It says in verse 18, At the commandment of Jehovah, the children of Israel journeyed, and at the commandment of Jehovah they pitched. As long as the cloud abode upon the tabernacle, they rested in their tents. And that's just a small example in that chapter of how God ties together the cloud and his commandment. It was at the movement of the cloud that Israel journeyed. It was at the point when the cloud stood still that Israel ceased to journey, and it's said to be at the commandment of Jehovah. And, of course, that word commandment would point to the word of God. Now, um, in Luke 21, beginning in verse 25, it says there, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. And here God is speaking of the time immediately after the tribulation. And notice, he says what is happening in the sun, moon, and stars are signs. Elsewhere, he says, the sun is darkened and the moon is not giving her light and the stars are falling. And yet, it's only signs of judgment of Christ coming in judgment. And of course, if those things were happening literally, they would be far more than signs. They would be uh, evidence of the actual destruction at the end of the world. But since the Lord is referring to a spiritual occurrence, it is a sign because that's the sign that um, that the Bible will allow and will give. The sign of the prophet Jonah is a sign that can be understood only in the Bible. That's where we read about Jonah. And and God will not give signs where you look up into the sky. No, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after that kind of a sign. Well, it goes on to say in, in verse 26 of Luke 21, Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, 
For the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And then shall they see. And this word see is the word that we also find in John chapter 1. In John 1, in a passage where Christ is speaking with Nathaniel, and Nathaniel quickly believes that Jesus is the Messiah. And it says in John 1 verse 50, Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And angels are messengers, and the only way this can be understood, because you can you can search um, the rest of the New Testament or anywhere in the Bible, and you're not going to find any place where angels or messengers of God are ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. It, it just didn't happen. We don't read about it occurring even once. And yet Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, hereafter, from, from this time, from now, you will see heaven open and these angels or messengers of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And yet we don't see or read about that happening even once. It's only when we remember that Jesus spoke in parables, and without a parable he did not speak, that we're able to understand what he said to Nathaniel. He was telling him that when the Lord saves someone, immediately, spiritually, it is as though they ascend up into the heavenlies to be seated in Christ Jesus. And yet, because God had a task for them to perform, to carry the gospel into the world, and, and that was the normal, typical task that God had for his people throughout history, that they were dispatched immediately back to earth And that's why God only saved the soul of an individual and not body and soul at once because they had to retain their physical body even though it was sin-cursed and corrupt, but it was necessary to retain in order to blend in, continue to fit in and operate on the earth with everyone else. And the one that God saved had something very much in common with everyone else, the sin-cursed body. And so this permitted the messenger of God now to share the gospel with his family and friends and neighbors and and anyone else, even in the far reaches of the earth, going as a missionary. And that is what the Lord meant when saying to Nathaniel, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, did 
Nathaniel see that literally? No. Did Nathaniel see that as far as Christ saving people or, or even after the Lord returned to heaven, the gospel saving people? And yes. Well, then he saw the spiritual meaning of what Jesus had in view with eyes of spiritual sight. He, he saw it work out from that point. And so uh, this verse alone should tell us this verse in John 151. We have to be very careful when the Bible uses this word see. When it speaks of seeing, it does not always mean and it can often not mean physical sight. If we go to Matthew 26, Matthew 26, we're going to read a couple of verses that relate very strongly to the idea of, of uh, Christ coming in the clouds as the, the gospel accounts proclaim immediately after the tribulation that Jesus is coming in the clouds as we read in Luke 21 in verse 27. It says in Matthew 26, and I'll start reading in verse 62. And the high priest arose and said unto him, and he's speaking to the Lord, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. And again, God is the one who gave us this scripture. The Lord Jesus is the one who made this statement, just as he made a statement to Nathaniel. And these kind of statements, um, theologians and others that have studied the Bible, and and they read Matthew 24, 30, or Luke 21, 27, where it says, uh, again, let me uh, read it so I get it correctly, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And this is the same Greek word, see, as here in Matthew 26, 64. And yet they do not or have not taken into consideration what Christ has said here and in a few other places. Again, let me read it. Matthew 26, verse 64. Thou hast said... And Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power. And that word sitting is the same Greek word in tense as in Revelation 14.14, 14, where the Apostle John uh, beheld the white cloud and one uh, sat upon the cloud like unto the Son of Man or was sitting upon the cloud. It's the same word. And hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power 
and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now, let's consider what was said. Jesus is speaking to the high priest of Israel, and hereafter, from this point, from now, from here, you will see the Son of Man, who is the Lord, Jesus himself, sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. So that means you're not going to see it just once. It's going to be an ongoing occurrence that the high priest of Israel, who could be and probably is uh, standing as a representative of all Israel, you, Israel, are going to see the Lord at the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven in an ongoing manner. And again, uh, as we search the Bible, we don't find the high priest witnessing that. We don't see the high priest of Israel shown Christ at the right hand of God and seeing the Lord coming in the clouds. Literally, we don't find it. But we do find that it is a fact that the Lord did go to heaven to be seated in the heavenlies at the right hand of God. And God did bring judgment, as the clouds can represent judgment, through his word, his commandments, the Bible, upon Israel from that point. Shortly following this, Christ would go to the cross, the veil of the temple would be rent in twain, and Israel's divorce would be final. The word of God from that point would pronounce the condemnation of God upon the corporate entity of national Israel. They no longer were God's holy people, no longer his representatives. The high priest was no longer the high priest of God's kingdom and and so forth. And in that way, what was being said to the high priest and to Israel was fulfilled. For instance, we read in Mark 16. Let's turn over to Mark 16. And it says in verse 19, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, following his resurrection. The resurrection of Christ was also a thorn, in a sense, in the side of the nation of Israel and its rulers, its authorities, because it was a testimony to the truthfulness of the things that the Lord had said, that he was the Messiah, that he was God in the flesh, that he was in the heavenly, seated at the right hand of God. And and so, after the Lord spent 40 days um, giving proofs of his resurrection, he ascended up to be seated at God's right hand. In Acts chapter 2, it says in verse 34, For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, Jehovah said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, 
until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And notice how God is connecting the statement of uh, Jehovah said unto my Lord, sit on my right hand and let all the house of Israel know assuredly that he is Lord in Christ. And this was happening not in some um, private residence somewhere. Uh, Peter and the others were speaking in foreign languages to all the visitors, all the visiting Jews and proselytes from many nations. It was the day of Pentecost. It was a very public declaration of who the Lord Jesus was. 3,000 souls would be added and become saved. And certainly Israel did know, as the Lord had said to the high priest, from now you will see the Son of Man at the right hand of God coming in the clouds. The word of God was proclaiming that Jesus was Messiah, that he had been exalted, uh, raised up in resurrection, and was at the right hand of God. And Israel was finished. It was done as the people of God. God uh, no longer was dealing with Israel. They no longer were his representatives. Now he would work through the churches and congregations that were beginning to form. And and so what the Lord had said to the high priest was being acted out on a daily basis as the word of God was declaring this and God's people were sharing the information. Well, it, in each case, it proved to confirm the word spoken to the high priest. Now, one last passage in Acts chapter 7. It says, and this is when Stephen is giving his testimony and witness, and it says in verse 54, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord, and cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul, and and so forth. And uh, see here, again, also, the witness of God's people was that Jesus was at the right hand of God. This is the witness that has never ceased being declared to Israel. Even today, almost 2,000 years later, the nation of Israel still has the witness of the Bible, the witness of God's elect people, true Christians, who proclaim and declare that Christ is risen, he's at the right hand of God, that Israel is no longer his holy people, but those that God saves of every tribe, nation, and tongue. 
And this is what is in view when we read the account of Matthew 24. We know that the darkening of the sun and moon and the falling of the stars is spiritual language. But then why would anyone think who understood that much that God would then switch to something physical, as it says in Matthew twenty four twenty nine, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, seeing as Nathaniel saw angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, seeing as the high priest of Israel saw Christ seated at the right hand of God and coming in the clouds in the sense of judgment upon Israel and the evidence of Scripture and the evidence of God's true witnesses declaring Jesus is the Messiah. Well, likewise, immediately after the tribulation, will the Bible witness and testify that Christ has come in judgment. God's people will recognize that witness and testimony and also share it, and therefore they shall see the Son of Man, coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And it has to do with reading the Bible, understanding the Bible, discerning time and judgment, and seeing with spiritual sight. Now let's uh, go back to Luke 21 to close. And again, verse 27 says, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, God has just said in the previous verses, there are signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and and all this terrible language. And, And then he says they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Well, notice verse 28 of Luke 21. And when these things begin to come to pass... Then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Nigh. Now, the reference to redemption, we can understand once we read Romans 8.23, that says, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. And and so when God says your redemption draweth nigh, he's speaking of the physical body, the time of the resurrection when our body is redeemed, just as our soul was saved at the point of salvation. Well, the end, the conclusion of all things, the last day is the time of the salvation of the physical body. It's redeemed and we're given a new resurrected spiritual body. But notice how God places this verse and the thing that he says, and when these things begin to come to pass, that is, when the sun is dark, when the moon's not giving its light, when the stars are falling, and when you see the Son of Man coming in a cloud 
with power and great glory. Then look up. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up. Lift up your heads and lift them up because there's Christ, right? There he is. Everything's over and done with. No, no. It says, for your redemption draweth nigh or near. Well, believe me, and I'm sure you you would agree that if the sun is literally dark and the moon is literally dark and stars are literally falling from heaven and Christ is coming in the clouds, literally, that you're not going to be encouraged by all that to think, well, you know, my redemption is coming close. It's near now. But you're going to think this is it, and you would be correct because the world couldn't continue another moment if those things were happening literally. But if they're happening spiritually, and that's exactly what God wants us to realize and understand, as they have been since May 21, 2011, then there's reason for hope and encouragement, and there's reason to lift up the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet and truly to look up and lift up your heads with a good expectation and hope because our redemption of our body is nigh and there there's great hope that October 7th of 2015 will be that day of redemption. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.